The Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code SGP50 and get a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. That's promo code SGP50. Play, win, and get paid on mybookie.ag today. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Get the latest odds for every big game, big fight, and all major online sportsbooks and casinos. Betting stats and trends you can't find anywhere else, and follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and online at oddshark.com. And lastly, if you are tired of having no true hedging option and losing a parlay on the last leg, so are the guys over at Bet Profit, which is why they created a new marketplace which allows you to to sell whatever percentage of your bet you want in seconds, guaranteeing profit while also keeping your original bet size and skin in the game. Go ahead, sign up today for early access at betprofit.co and don't miss out. Today is Friday, November 16th, getting into the Thanksgiving week next weekend, guys. So everything will be done um, a little bit early next week. But for this week, continuing on with our different handicapper, we are moving over from the professional handicapping ranks and we are moving into the DFS world once again. So we're going to be talking to probably one of... uh, person that I, I value um, more than anyone in the, when it comes to DFS in this industry, um, and that's Harby. Harby is a content provider, does provide um, lineups for a company called Rotorator. We've had Sean, the CEO of that company on, um, as well as Eric Rosenthal, who both work closely with them. Um, so you can always, as always, find them on Twitter at onceharby, O-N- C-E-H-A-R-B-Y. So we're going to be talking the differences, uh, biggest differences between DFS and handicapping, how you can kind of correlate them when it comes to prop bets, similarities, differences, all that kind of stuff, and how Harvey got uh, introduced and started in this industry and kind of what led him to be able to be one of the um, the most profitable uh, content providers for DFS in the industry. His win percentage is absolutely insane. I believe it's right about 74%. Um, when it comes to cash games, has has had some insane GPP wins. Um, so we go over his background, getting started in the poker world, and kind of what led him to where he is today. I'm um, being so successful in the daily fantasy world. And as always, we we do a consensus best bet as somebody who's in. We actually we we went back and forth on two. We talked about them on the podcast. So there's really two, but one that is the consensus best bet for a prop bet this weekend. So if you guys enjoy the weekly DFS show. Uh, that I do with Ryan and Sean on Mondays on the regular Sports Gaming Podcast feed. I'm sure you guys are going to love this deeper dive into the daily fantasy world and the professional ranks. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Here's Harvey. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas Podcast, one of the brightest minds in the DFS industry. And as we've continued on this journey of a different handicapper every single week, looking at different handicapping styles, um, the DFS guys, have there's such a correlation and yet so opposite. So it's always kind of cool to talk to them, see what makes sense when it comes to breaking down you know, DFS lineups, GPP cash lineups versus guys that you know specifically bet and kind of focus on props. And notoriously, you know, the DFS guys, that's kind of their world because everything uh, is really the same. So, so excited to kind of finally kind of bring him on it and talk to him we've, we've been talking kind of behind the scenes for a long time so harvey what's up man how are you good Pina. thanks for inviting me yeah really excited to be on here uh you know long time listener uh first time caller so uh, <laughs> it's, it's great to do this it's been a fun season it's crazy that we're already this far into it uh which is kind of a always unfortunate thing to realize around this week like 10 11 point so uh I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's still a grind, still a lot of time to win some good money. So it should be fun. 
Yeah, man, and college is even worse, and uh, it's no secret I've made this very clear. I enjoy college football a, a lot more than the NFL, uh, and college football like, is basically over. There's there's Gosh, one week, yeah. and then it's like, oh, my God, man, where did the season go before it's you done. know it? Yeah, yeah like baseball is going to be around the corner in, in the spring. It's like, man, this this cycle never ends. Like there's this – I call it gambling winter. It's that break between the Super Bowl and March Madness where there's just absolutely nothing, and it's like the one – you know, you can kind of get away. It's where I kind of try to plan vacations, like just – absolutely take it away, you know, binge your Netflix shows, whatever the case may be. And like gambling winter is rapidly approaching, man. Um, yeah. What is, what would you say from, I, I guess more than halfway at this point, let's talk this, about this from somebody who, who plays kind of VFS, you know, as well and, and as professionally as you do. Let's talk about this from a player perspective, maybe biggest, you know, surprise in either a good, bad way or biggest disappointment when it comes to the fantasy world. Um, I guess we can kind of maybe, you know, ignore the obvious one of Le'Veon Bell not playing this year. Yeah, what a disappointment. <clears throat> but it has brought one of the biggest surprises, too, in Connor. I mean, what what a fantastic player that he's become. And this offseason will be really interesting to see just how contracts go, where Bell potentially goes, uh, what, what happens with Connor in the future. You know, preseason, kind of, uh, I was... And this is going to sound really terrible, but I was touting that maybe Mahomes uh, would not have the kind of season that he's having. Well, that's, that's an easy way. But yeah, I, I mean, I thought this guy would come out and struggle. I thought he'd throw a lot of picks, you know, be one of the top uh, interception leaders of the entire year. And he just has not at all. Uh, I mean, what a phenomenal season it, it leading pretty much in, you know, every category that you want him to, but definitely just efficiency and touchdown rate, which is huge for, uh, the DFS world by I me. Mean, I, I think he's five, uh, five touchdowns ahead of luck right now. And, and total touchdowns thrown and they just spread this ball out and you'd think he even with a great running back with with Hunt, he'd steal some of that action, but uh, he doesn't. I mean, they just score at a historically uh, high rate right now, and it's really fun to watch. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take an L there, uh, but I'm also really glad that I did because this team has been a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to get into my lineups. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that. Um, you know, when you're just talking about Mahomes. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet this out right now. I wrote up an article on SportsGamblingPodcast.com, which was ten, 10 bold NFL gambling predictions for the 2018 season. And not to not to tell this, but there's some there's some funny ones uh, and there's some good ones. And some bad ones. Um, let's start with the bad. <laughs> Dak Prescott will be benched and not start for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, hey, the, that's not out of the realm of expectations. Charge, Chargers will face New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. We're still alive there. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo will win the 2018 MVP. We're, we're pretty much Ooh. dead there. Yep. <laughs> Here's a good one. Adam Thielen will lead the league in receiving yards. Hey, that's a good one. All right. Cincinnati starts 0-4 and fires Marvin Lewis. No, no it's not going to work. Cor yep. Cortland Sutton wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. Eh, not, not thinking right. that one's going to come in. And then David Johnson will have the most rushing yards. Yeah, great one there. Oof. Yeah, yeah what a slow start. Uh, I mean, now you're seeing like last week, David Johnson had this awesome uh, week. And then this week, you're really going to have a big choice what to do with him in uh, DFS, too, because he has a phenomenal matchup. You have to think that this offensive coordinator changed left, which, uh, you know, really getting involved. It looks like that offense is just kind of highly condensed now to four players. Uh, so you have to imagine like David Johnson just goes off again or at least gets a good opportunity. But his price jacked right back up yeah uh, so he's gonna be like 
one of the most interesting players, but since recency bias happens so often in fantasy, he'll probably be really highly owned, I assume. Yeah, huge matchup. We touched on him on the, on the DFS podcast that we do on Sports Gaming Podcast. Um, it's a really, uh, I, you don't want to trust him because he's just, you know, traditionally there's always been that first round. Traditionally, like every year there's basically two to three players in the first 15 or so in season long fantasy picks that just bust, which is so much, you know, speaks to why DFS is so much better um, than season long. And David Johnson, God, I mean, it's not as if the team was much, much better um, the years when he was absolutely going off, but pretty, yeah, it was a huge, yeah, huge disappointment. You know, yeah, and they're one of, like, to speak to DFS and kind of how I build lineups too is uh, like, yeah. He, he's in a great spot, a smash spot this week, but they're still one of the lower implied team totals. Um, so do you really want to spend a good portion of your salary on a running back that's in a, a low scoring game? I understand that. Uh, again, like I said earlier, it's a little condensed now. So you know that there's only kind of three or four players from that team that are really getting action. It is against a tanking uh, Raiders team and it's home. So maybe they go a little bit more out. Maybe they make sure that, that David Johnson gets the ball more, but, uh, at end of the day, you know, there, it's not a team that's going to score a lot of points. They're, they're not a Kansas city that, you know, they're not putting up uh, 35 points this game or anything. They'll, they may get out with like a, you know, a 22 to a 17 type win or something like that, or 14 type win. Uh, so you, you definitely want to target uh, players like that, but if you're talking about tournament upside. Maybe it's not there for him. Yeah. Um, so let's break this down kind of big picture here. And I just wanted to let people hear kind of how much um, information and knowledge that you provide each and every week when it comes to DFS lineups. Um, so what kind of brought you into your introduction, how you got started in kind of the DFS community, um, whether it be if you started out in handicapping and moved to DFS, vice versa, or kind of what led you to be able to basically play DFS um, professionally full time at this point and kind of, you know, led you to the point that you're at right now, providing lineups and all kinds of other things. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, I mean, I guess I'll take it way back, way, way back. Uh, back I come good. from a gambling. Yeah, I, co- I come from like a gambling family. Love so that. that always makes me so like together. That makes me jealous because like, like, no, I just I, I love that, man. I, I never had that. And like just having like picturing like like dice games on Thanksgiving just always makes me crack yep. up, bro. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's me. So, I mean, half of my family, one side of my family, just totally that exactly what you're talking about, where it's poker games, Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas get together was more about being able to like uh, play and gamble. We do some camping trips together. And really, it was all just like focused around being able to play some cards together, uh, you know, play some dice, whatever it may be. Um, so always been around it. And so I knew poker, uh, by the time I was 10 and I knew poker pretty well, um, and would always try to get my friends to play and, you know, no one was ever into it. It just seemed slow to them and whatnot. And, uh, but then the poker boom came. So moneymaker one and, you know, the big boom and everyone loved it. Everyone loved poker. So I was already well above, uh, the, the edge there. So, uh, still in high school when that happened. Um, and all my friends wanted to play all the time. And so I would just take their money. I mean, it was so easy. Like, you know, people were, uh, thinking they were making these great plays that they saw on TV and stuff like that. And I already knew like, uh, what to be looking for at that point, how to read people, you know, a little bit about the odds. I wasn't great at it, but a little bit about the odds. So, um, just destroying my friends in in poker and then went on to college and same thing. Everyone in the dorm wanted to play, you know, everyone in the apartment wanted to play. So, um, I was just 
raking in, um, playing these tiny cash games or these $20 tournaments with, you know, friends and people at college. And, uh, it was just a really easy game for me. I probably got a lot more ego out of it than anything. Uh, so I decided, uh, I, I live in a state where, uh, casinos have to be on the water, unfortunately. <laughs> so I would have to travel, uh, an hour to actually play a legitimate game. And, and that the closest game was at like a poker hall, uh, about an hour, hour and a half away from me. But, uh, I kind of learned about it. They ran a nightly tournament and then they had cash games. So I, I traveled up there and I was, uh, you know, making some good money off of it and then playing online too. That was back in the, the online, you know, the good online poker days. So like party poker was still around and, and huge. And, and, you know, even full tilt and all those, but this was even like pre full tilt when, before they got big. And so I was playing a lot there and I had this one huge cash on like a, a Saturday night tournament on party poker, uh, you know, like a 50 K cash. And, um, I remember that was the moment where I was like, all right, I, I have to decide, like, am I going to continue going on to college here? Um, or am I going to just like turn and, and take this seriously? Like if I can make this kind of money, every mother's uh, how, nightmare, how much could I make? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Every mother's nightmare, which is just have yeah. our son think of what you just said. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I already had friends. Um, oh, you know, the guy who won the world series of poker main event this past year, he was in my home or he was in my dorm game back at, uh, Indiana university. So, um, and there were many others, Rogers Tesca, there were some big time pros, big time pros that I I used to play with, um, that had already made the leap. Uh, so, you know, there was always that in the back of my mind. And, uh, this is, this is probably normally the point where most people would tell you, you know, I made the leap. I decided to go pro, but I went the opposite way. I was just like a little nervous. And, um, I was like, I'm going to stay in school. So I stayed in school. I just played kind of recreationally. I did well uh, from time to time, but I also, I wasn't focused on the game enough uh, as some people were. And, and that was back when people were, you know, really starting to hone in on the numbers. They were really starting to hone in on uh, strategy. Um, and I was still so much a field player. So uh, I, I did okay, but you know, I would lose some back too, but stayed in school. Uh, oh, it ended up going and getting my master's in English, you know, which does pretty much absolutely nothing. And <laughs> so, so when I was, when I was, uh, in grad school and just trying to figure out like, what, am, what am I going to do? Like, what I don't know, what am I getting a master's in creative writing and English for? Um, I started writing on the side for the sports site because I, I still loved uh, sports so much. And I loved football like a ton. Football has always been kind of my love ever since I really got into sports um, and basketball for sure. But oh, so started writing for this little site called Midwest Sports Fans. And I took over their, uh, their fantasy section and I started doing like a, a Sunday morning breakdown where I would just, it was a live chat and there would normally be like 70 to uh, 150. It would just, it would weigh very, but people in there just pumping out questions like, who do I sit? Who do I start? Uh, those kind of questions. So it really got me into fantasy even more. And this was season long 
uh, back then, DFS still hadn't really come around. So I, I uh, just started getting into uh, really knowing the fantasy industry and really knowing some of the players that are, are still around, some of the people that are still around and writing uh, one-offs for a lot of these big sites like uh, Pro Football Focus and FF Toolbox and just some of the big players, uh, which is Scout Fantasy now, but some of the players that have been around for a while. But it was all season long. Uh, so I started playing in some high stakes season long stuff or not, not high, high stakes. I I've never been like, uh, you know, some of these five K buy-in guys or, or whatever. I think those, um, sound fun, but just like you mentioned earlier, Pino, like season long is tough. So you, you lose players all the time and, um, it's just not for me. So I, I much prefer the DFS industry. Um, but so, but I was in that world already and then DFS came around. Uh, so I was a super early adopter. Um, I played on, you know, Draft Street and all the first kind of sites that that popped up. I was um, one of the first ones kind of jump on board and test it and had a lot of fun doing it. Saw mild success uh, doing so. And, and then I started working for this. Um, I, I actually started becoming or I was the the managing editor for this site called The Fake Baseball, uh, which is still around. It's part of the, the Fake Sports Network. Uh, but while I was doing it, one day I was writing this uh, batter versus pitcher column, and I was just thinking, like, you know, this is kind of antiquated data. Uh, I, I know that for a, a way it works, and for some people it's just kind of a, a placebo, like, oh, he's, you know, he's – three for four against this pitcher before and two home runs. So surely he's going to, he's going to hit him this game. Um, Oh, and I decided uh, there's great data out there, uh, but I'm not using it properly. And at that time I was still playing a little online poker, even though black Friday had already happened and, you know, it was illegal, but I was, I remember sitting uh, thinking about that article one day and I was playing some poker and I had a HUD up and I was like, wait, I use this. I use these statistics all the time for poker. I use this an analysis of how a player is playing and, um, you know, their, their pre-flop calling tendencies and everything. And why don't I try to look at deeper data for, uh, oh, for football and for fantasy football. And so I, I did, I started looking, I, I remember I, I bought like the black book, uh, right away for <laughs> baseball and yeah. St- yeah, started looking at some of those kind of, uh, oh, statistics and everything. Trading uh, bases by Joe Pita. Yes. Yes, yep. absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so I started kind of looking at all those guys, you know, them. I mean, yep. you know, the, you probably know some of them, uh, some of these individuals, but I just started looking at their data and like what they've written. And you know, most of it, I will admit, like, bores me like yeah. completely boring um i just can't get into it it's hard for me to read through uh it's hard for me to really get into but i but i realized that there's nuggets um and i realized that there's some real truth behind it so uh i yeah i just kind of parlayed that into fantasy football now and uh so i take a really kind of uh mixed approach but a lot of it's analytical i love watching the games i love watching the all 22 tapes uh on game pass i really do like i love just kind of seeing how teams line up um and how teams move the ball i d- i didn't have uh football in high school 
So I went to a really small high school uh, and I'm in Indiana. So it was a, you know, basketball state, a basketball school. uh, Or we had the most winning coach in Indiana history uh, at our school. So like we were totally basketball focused in high school. So I really didn't get into football until um, the Colts Bears Super Bowl, which is funny because looking back now, like that was a horrible game. Like that was that wasn't a fun game at all. It was muddy. It was low scoring. Um, oh, like there wasn't a, a ton of talent, but I got really into it at that time. I started playing fantasy the very next year. And I remember I I, dra- I had the, the last pick. It was like a 10 or a 12 team league. And I, I drafted Manning and Randy Moss back to back. And I remember thinking like, oh, season's over. Like I got this in the bag. Um, and little did I know about like fantasy at that time. I, I think I ended up probably middle of the pack or something. But um, yeah, so I, I started really getting into film watching, uh, but then taking just kind of an analytical approach. So I look at numbers all the time. I mean, I'm always looking at DVOA. I'm always looking at um, the personnel packages that teams are running and their success rate uh, against uh, other defenses. So like last week, I was all over Jack Doyle, which you know could have been okay. But of course, Ebron gets three touchdowns on you know, 13 routes run, like, which is just an incredible rate. But Ebron's touchdown rate just this entire season is crazy. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun to look at teams that are, uh, you know, trying different things and just how the numbers work out. So I really I use a lot of um, I use a lot of kind of the data sites out there right now that talk about personnel, that talk about matchups, um, that do ratings for for players and for teams. Uh, and that's kind of the approach that I take. So I, I do a lot of watching, but I really just kind of love looking at the numbers, uh, love looking at how they match up and and where I can pull from that to uh, to build my lineups. Yeah, man. So many, so many parallels of kind of how you got started and how I got started. I got started kind of in the fantasy uh, realm and community uh, before DFS was around. Um, obviously, DraftKings kind of came up through Boston, so I was kind of in the hub of it. And I was always like nice. you, doing you know the the hundred dollar work leagues, hundred dollar high school leagues, and just I was doing well, and it was just not with you know the hundred dollar leagues were not worth the payout for for the type of of input and and effort level um, that I was putting in. It was just driving me nuts, and and so when the DFS uh, never i have so much respect for the guy a lot of my friends out here play poker um you know be it professionally in tournaments or they're just the daily grinders at the bellagio kind of taking tourists um and they make their they make their 1200 bucks a day and and they couldn't be happier and they live a great life and so to me like when i do something i have to go all in on it i just have that kind of you know you can call it addictive personality but it's just when i when i do something i have to become tunnel vision at it it's just kind of how i've always been and so i couldn't kind of split my time between sports um be it fantasy or handicapping and doing poker. I just, I would lose money and it's such a hard thing to poker is so hard to learn because you really have to lose and lose money in a casino to kind of get better. And it's just not, I I just couldn't have that broad term outlook that I wanted to, to get into poker. Um, obviously it's, it's always, again, I have friends out here that do so, so well at it, but, um, yeah, that's, I started the same way with fantasy DFS and then, you know, translated to player props and then handicapping full time. So we have a lot of similarities there. Um, yeah, that's awesome. 
so yeah, when when you talk about analytics holding the all twenty two, all twenty two is is the best thing out there for anyone that doesn't know. They break down every game into God, maybe about an, an hour, half hour of yep. it's it's just every play. Um, there's nothing in between plays. It's snap to snaps. You can kind of watch a whole game in about a half an hour. It's one of the best things. I think it's NFL Network. I forget what I even have it on. Um, it that, is. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. That does um that does it out there to kind of make handicapping um so much better. You don't even have to watch games on Sunday if you're doing kind of film study. You can do it the next day, and it makes you can watch all every single game that's played in, in about four hours. It, it's absolutely the best thing um, that the NFL does out there for when it comes to handicapping. Um, it really is. What kind of I know you touched on kind of your philosophy when it comes to DFS and all that stuff. What kind of made you chase DFS instead of going full time into sports handicapping? What was kind of you know, when I whenever I ask this question to DFS players, it's always you know, when you, uh, when you do, when you start doing handicapping, right, you're, you're kind of capped. If you really nail a take on say a player prop, you can only win, you know, minus one ten of your bet size. Um, but when you really nail a take in DFS, you can, you know, win in you know, millions and millions of dollars, um, on occasion, what kind of drove you to pursue DFS instead of handicapping full-time? Yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. Back in poker, uh, you know, I grinded out, um, Oh, tournaments way more than I did cash games. Uh, so I guess I shouldn't use the word grinded as that <laughs> applies to cash games mostly. But um, yeah, I was way more of a, a tournament player because always like eyes on the prize kind of person like, oh, man, I love that top prize. Uh, maybe hate the payout structure, but love the top prize kind of. Um, oh, look. So that definitely was my early DFS days, too, was always looking at that top prize like, oh, I just want to play a tournament. I just want to win that tournament. Um, so I never really until the past couple of years, like structured myself and focused myself into cash games and building that. Uh, but the other thing I think is just availability. So, I mean, you know, you made the move out to Vegas. Um, I don't know uh, if back home would have been able to suffice for you, but like where I'm from, which is where I'd kind of like to stay, or at least in this general area, uh, I, I don't think I could make gambling a living. I know that there's some availability on online, uh, but it's hard. It's harder to move uh, money online. It's harder to make the bets that you want to, uh, to make sure that you're getting kind of the numbers uh, and the best uh, of situations. Oh, so I, I just think availability was part of it where uh, it would have been really difficult for me to go into capping, to go to go into gambling full time, uh, whereas DFS is, you know, much more widely, widely available, uh, well, maybe not for you, but uh, much more widely available. Uh, it, it allows me to stay where I kind of I am, uh, but also have those huge potential payouts. Yeah, I know people are kind of sick of hearing me say it, but I had no idea that DFS wasn't legal until I moved out here. And I, I instantly had a, oh my God moment of what the hell have I done? And obviously, mm -hmm. um, I mean, different things you can do VPN or, or get somebody else to kind of do it. But uh, yeah, for uh, sure. I, I kind of left the world for a little while and, and just did props. Um, but yeah, man. Absolutely crazy. Um, so let's break this down from kind of games this week uh, that kind of showcase, you know, what your style. I know you talked about kind of being film based when it when it comes to the all twenty two analytical and kind of blending all those type of things together. Um, let's start with be it you know a, a must play in cash, a GPP shot, and we'll we'll highlight um, let's say three games and kind of take us through your thought process and what and what kind of makes you target um, specific players. And um, I have a feeling that there's one on here if, for anyone that listened to the DFS show I did on Monday uh, with Sean and Ryan on the regular. Sports Gaming Podcast feed. Uh, we're going to uh, agree on a certain chalk running back out there. So I guess we could start with that game um, and then just kind of, you know, break down kind of what lends him, you know, via your thought process and your handicapping process to, to kind of targeting um, players from these three matchups and games. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think kind of the chalk running back this week, at least for me, uh, and, and he'll be my starting point in a lot of my lineups, but is this Zeke Elliott? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw it finally last week kind of come, uh, at a head and I, I had played him earlier in the year, uh, one time, but I hadn't played him outside of that. Um, but last week would just really look great. I, it's really strange for me to say I hadn't played him much because I absolutely love usage and I tried to take advantage of usage all the time. That's like one of the key stats that I use, uh, when putting my lineups together and Zeke's usage is just phenomenal. I mean, top five in the league. Uh, so he gets a ton of run. He gets a ton of touches for his team. But, you know, as as uh, yeah, obviously, I know you uh, pretty well from the season, too. And, you know, it's a player that we like to, to laugh about a little bit. But Dak just holds him back. I mean, yeah. Dak's passing and like um, Dak's overall exposure has has held Zeke back quite a bit this year. Um, so it's hard to always want to get him when you know that he's going to be in stacked boxes, when you know that the team in general doesn't move the ball. So he's not going to have as many red zone opportunities. Uh, but then you look at the defense that they're facing this week and like, it couldn't get any better. Like it couldn't get any more beautiful for them. So I, I think he's somebody that you kind of have to want. Um, oh, I know that they slowed the ball down, but uh, how they slowed the ball down is by using Dak, by making sure that he's getting the ball, that he's touching the ball. Uh, Atlanta's kind of a middle of the pace uh, team when it comes to um, offensive oh, s- snap counts, their the rate that they play, but uh, they're scoring really well right now. I know last week took a little bit of a dip back down, but they're scoring pretty well. They're back at home, so they're inside the dome. It's going to be warm. Uh, I can see uh, this going really well. What's interesting to me is I would actually think just by watching them uh, that Atlanta is like a, a bottom three team versus pass catching running backs. Uh, but according to Football Outsiders, they're actually 22nd. Uh, that doesn't matter at all to me. Like they give up so much. This team looks terrible. Uh, I know they're getting somebody back this week. I, I can't remember who it is. Uh, I'm still not scared at all. Like Zeke uh, all in for me. Completely, completely agree. I and mean, touched on this on the Monday's DFS show. I mean, uh, let me ask you this. Cause uh, do you have the stones to start, start Dak Prescott and a punt GPP play anywhere? I'm talking maybe a 1% exposure or, or can you just not do it? Because I don't think I can do it at all. Oh man, that's so tough. It, it would be nice, like he's, if he's, he's been better. I mean, at the end of the day, has, like yeah, ha- you can't like you can't stay stuck in your ways. And, and maybe I'm guilty of staying on a trend a little bit, you know, a week or two late, just because I think that things do come around. But at the end of the day, when you look at Dak's last three weeks, I mean, the market kind of overcorrected. You know, I've been notorious for going under uh, Dak's Prescott's passing yards every single week at a very high, you know, bet size. Um, and at the you know when they were set at 240, 230 at the beginning of the year, um, I mean, I think it was like five and one the first six. Weeks of the season, all of a sudden they're set at 203 and he's ripping off, you know, 240, 250. Um, it's the market corrects itself, right? And it's not a huge difference, but when you're setting someone's prop at 203, um, it, it makes it a little bit tough. So I've obviously been over that or been off of it, but he's been going over basically four out of the last five weeks, I believe. He's gone, you know, smoked his prop. So you, you got to look at things with a new lens every week while taking into account. So it's a weird tightrope to, to kind of walk. But do you have any interest at all in Dak Prescott? A little bit. I mean, I think Amari Cooper was probably like an underrated ad for them. He seems to have really picked up 
the offense really quickly. And just this Titans or sorry, this Falcons defense is um, just terrible. I mean, they're absolutely terrible. Uh, So I do think it's going to be a lot of dump off kind of passes. It's going to be a lot of being able to move the ball. Um, And I actually do think that you'll probably see a couple touchdowns thrown by him this week, which is strange because he's not somebody that, you know, I, I traditionally trust at all um, in this. Um, uh, and, oh, I, I believe they're getting Jones back too. uh, yep. oh, the, uh, the Falcons that is, but yeah, again, it's like it, that doesn't scare me at all. Linebacker. Okay. What? I don't think that it changes this line a whole lot. I do think that Dak's viable. Um, you, you should get a little bit on the ground too. Uh, and I just think that with the Falcons being able to score and they will be able to score, uh, on the Cowboys, they're going to have to throw to keep up and they're going to have to rely kind of on those two players on Zeke and, and Cooper. Uh, to move the ball. So I think you see a good amount in the air. He probably gets like 260 yards uh, at most, but uh, you should add two, but for tournament upside, hopefully three touchdowns. Uh, I would definitely play him in tournaments. I love that, man. Being able to look at things for the new, a new take is is something I'm always still working on because, you know, I take such a long-term view when it comes to, you know, baseball, NFL, uh, looking at it as such a market. So that's the one area of myself that I kind of need to check is being able to get, I mean, it's easier said than done being, you know, trying to constantly be ahead of the market, but you gotta, you can't ignore matchups just because you, you know, you, you have a side laughing bet when it comes to a certain player thinking about how bad they are, but let's, let's move off from that game. Um, again, Atlanta's defense is a high school mass unit. You need to get some exposure to that one way or another, whether it's Cooper, uh, Dak or Zeke, but, um, let's, let's take a look at a neck, the next matchup that, um, we talked about off air that kind of highlights, you know, what you do and kind of why you break things down and kind of what lends you to choose these players. Um, we'll head to the Tennessee and Indianapolis matchup. Yeah. What, this is a fun matchup. So, I mean, this is totally like a, a GPP matchup for me. Uh, but it, I think you can sprinkle in some of these guys in cash as well, just cause, um, it's what one, two, three, fourth highest total game of the week. Uh, both of these teams very much have to feel alive in their potential playoff run now. Uh, so that this division's kind of wide open. I know Houston has a really important game this week too, but this game is the most important game because it will set the tone for either team. Uh, if they're going to be able to make this run or not, uh, the Colts look really good. I mean, they've, um, they have been scoring just a ton recently. I'm pretty sure that uh, Luck has thrown for three or more touchdowns in six straight games, which is like one of the longest streaks ever. Uh, if I if I remember reading this correctly, I think it's the longest streak since uh, Brady threw 10 straight games of three touchdowns or more uh, back in like 2007. So, uh, it's a very long streak. He's just kind of getting it together and this team spreads the ball out. I mean, they have a lot of people that, uh, that catch the ball. They have a lot of people that can score. Uh, Hilton hasn't really had his pop off game yet, which I think is, uh, you know, is coming. There's always like three or four games during the year that are just amazing. Houston last year is one that stands out to me where his price is way too low in DFS. And then he has this, uh, just massive upside. Uh, he has a great matchup this week. Uh, they they moved him around quite a bit. I think he was in the slot 
uh, almost half of the time last week, uh, which is something that they do with Hilton a lot. So even if the Titans decide to move Butler, uh, which they did a little bit last week, they didn't have after to, Gordon yeah. already got to him. I know it was so yeah. bad. I, I was, I was going, I had Gordon everywhere in DFS. I had Me Gordon too. over on the props. Um, and again, this was all because Malcolm Butler, um, we yep. touched on this on, on again, on the Monday show, um, with Ryan and Sean of just whether it be the contract, the name value, they, they want to give Butler every opportunity and he, and he is failing. I mean, when you get torched by Amari Cooper, um, this is week after week and Boye on the other side is so much better and they need to really switch those two roles, um, but they won't. So you need to kind of take advantage while you can. But yeah, they, they showed signs of kind of moving him and I'm so upset about it because I, again, my my luck, or my luck, my um, my cash stack this week was, was definitely looking at luck and T.Y. Hilton, um, just trying to expose that matchup. T.Y. Hilton, having not gotten in the end zone, been so bad all week. Um, again, last week was bad as well, going up against Jalen Ramsey and, and make no mistake, Malcolm Butler is not Jalen Ramsey. So everything kind of points to this stack. I love that you're on this as well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, even if they move Hilton or even if they move Butler too, which they kind of did a little bit, uh, I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, I, Reich's been like really good about moving uh, receivers and putting them in good position. Uh, we know that Hilton's kind of a target, but we also know how good Hilton looks inside. Uh, I mean, he's totally one of those players that you don't want to play outside. You want to play inside. So here's an important game. They're going to really need him. They're going to really need scoring. I think Hilton's totally a target for, for everyone this week. And, and yeah, luck too. I mean, just this touchdown streak alone, they're going to need them. Uh, my model projects Indy to be pretty high. Uh, so th- that's all going to come through luck. Titans are actually a little bit better against the run too. Um, so I, I think that, um, Colts Mac has done pretty well. Uh, their offensive line has obviously been like phenomenal. I don't know what, what causes change, but they've been phenomenal, but I still think that, all the production, all the meaningful production is going to come in the air, which means you want luck and you want pieces of it. Hilton makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I would love to know, uh, you know, be on the inside with uh, the tight end situation because I love both of them. Uh, but Ebron, you know, goes from two weeks ago, he was fourth on the depth chart tight end wise. So the fourth tight end targeted um, oh, in that game. And then last week only runs 13 routes still gets those three touchdowns somehow. So it's not like he's being used a ton, uh, but he just like super high efficiency in the red zone, which takes away from a guy like Doyle a lot. Um, But I think this is interesting. You know, one interesting point I had when I was looking at this game, this is going to be a pace up game for any team because the Colts play the quickest in the league uh, by about a half a second, really. So that's that's really fast. Um, They've also they've given up uh, 26 or more points in five of the last seven. So their defense really hasn't been playing well. So the offense has to, has to be, has to play well. Um, Oh, but they run this, they run the 12 personnel, uh, a lot. Obviously it makes sense with, um, both Ebron and Doyle. Uh, but then they also have a couple of these, those other tight ends that, you know, random guys that get some play. Uh, but, Oh, Tennessee has seen a 5% jump in success rate, uh, sorry, negative in success rate. So they have 46% success rate against, um, three, three wide receiver sets. Uh, but then against the two tight end sets, the 12 personnel, they see a 51% success rate. So, uh, Indy runs that a lot. Uh, and the Titans are, are obviously uh, a tick worse against it. So I think you're going to see Reich take advantage of it again this week, just like he did against Jacksonville last week. So I think 
one or two of these tight ends are going to score uh, for the Colts, I would love to know who. Um, oh, you know, it would be great to be Doyle, who gets the more work in the passing game uh, to also score score a tight end because or score a touchdown because he'd definitely be a target for me. Uh, but but it's so tough on the opposite side. I mean, I called John o. Smith last week uh, as a pretty decent play, and he um, oh he was able to score a touchdown. But I'd be really interested. I'm not sure if you have any kind of early projections, but on his player prop this week because uh, Colts uh, they've been pretty pretty mad against tight end. They're 25th by Football Outsiders right now. So like if you can get a if it's under 30 yards, the prop, I think I'd be smashing the over all day. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, when these replacement players kind of come in, a lot of times they're not offered, um, which is, it's kind of brutal because they're in such good spots, you know, uh, yeah. um, you know, Hakeem Hines, Marlon Mack of the world uh, last week with Mike Davis. Um, they just, props are very limited. Um, it is what it is. It's, you know, my favorite market in the world to bet for a very specific reason that you can really exploit it. It's one of the softer markets out there. Uh, it's just, sometimes they're not offered, but yeah, anything, I mean, when I would probably equate it to a guy like Doyle, uh, in the beginning when it was set right around, you know, that 42 to 44 mark is probably where I would assume that they would make it. Um, which yep. may seem a little bit high, but I think that they're going to take that into account, you know? So right around that 40 to 44 mark is what I assume it would, um, what I would make it for whatever that's worth. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't even think about probably not being offered. I bet you're right. It'd be really hard to find uh, this anywhere, this listed anywhere. Well, if it is anywhere, my friend's going to be on the only website and only sports book out there that offers player prop builder and where you can bet on the over under of fantasy points. And that is mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Very simple formula over there. You play, you win, you get paid. Give them a follow on Twitter at betmybookie. And as always, enter promo code SGP50 and get a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. That's promo code SGP50. Play, you win, you get paid. Um, so again, when you talk hey, about can this, we, can I break in there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, earlier this year, this is really early in the season. You and I did a podcast together. Uh, we were talking about Alex Collins and I, I went over yes. to my bookie. <laughs> yeah. And I made a, um, I made a two touchdown prop bet, uh, myself. And I think it was like, it was phenomenal odds, uh, like six to one or something like that. Um, and he got the one and then he was on like the one yard line or something and, and bringing you check or a, something. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Like something horrible. Um, oh, but you know, this is another game. I know that we don't know who the, um, who the quarterback is here, but I think that this is a great Alex Collins game. Uh, so that may be like, I, I would go, I love, I love that prop builder at my bookie. I would definitely go check it out. See if you can get some like phenomenal odds for, uh, for Alex Collins here and just see what you could do. Like mix them up, uh, see if you can get some like crazy touchdown props or something like that. Uh, let's talk about this. If Lamar Jackson starts, I uh, here's a, talking about bold takes earlier. Uh, he will rush for over a hundred yards if he starts. Agree, disagree? Oh my gosh, that is so tough. Um, <laughs> so I, a <laughs> hundred yards is a lot. It's a lot. Um, I want to agree just on the cuff, but I think I have to go under. Um, but I would not be surprised by like seventy yards at all. 
Yeah, I, I really, uh, when I did this out, I, I was kind of plugging him into when I was doing my handicap and I literally have him at like 101 yards rushing just uh-huh. based on what, again, it, it's kind of skewed because yep. when you look at his play selection, like he, he's running the ball every time, so it's weighted a little bit more, but um, he he could be fantasy fun, man. If you guys remember Michael Vick back in the day rushing for 100 yards every single game, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of Lamar Jackson in that and I don't know where you're going to get, you know, passing the ball, uh, but that could be, yep. especially with no tape on a full, you know, a full you're just getting the, the mini weird packages much like they used to do with Vic when he was in Philadelphia uh, right now. And so if, if he gets unleashed, um, that's going to be a really fun pickup to have. Yeah. I, I think I want him. I mean, I think I'm really interested. His price is obviously very low. I, I don't know how much you can trust it in cash games, but like if he gets the start, you have to roll him out in some GPPs and you have to consider him in cash too. Completely. Now you said a word that that's going to, uh, it's going to perk my ears up a little bit. And you said my model, um, and I've had different model based handicappers on here. And again, not asking you to kind of give out how, how your sauce is made here. Um, but what type of things kind of go into your model? Um, and when you break this down, just from kind of, again, a broad perspective, um, and kind of, you know, model based handicappers to me are so interesting because they have to trust the model. They have to kind of almost take their eyes out of it because if your eyes tell you one thing and the number model tells you another, it really defeats the purpose of the model. Um, the model is kind of supposed to make those decisions for you. Um, number one, do you kind of agree with that? I know you said you also are, are, are such a huge film guy, um, but what, what kind of led you down, you know, everyone, not everyone, but I feel like the analytics and, and model-based community um, is all, you know, in that DFS world as well. They just lend themselves so perfectly. What kind of, um, you know, started getting you down the road of going down the model way and kind of what that's led you um, to this year? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, um, when I was doing fantasy in the early days, uh, number fire is obviously kind of a, a site that's owned by FanDuel now, but they did like early projections. Uh, so they were like kind of one of the first optimizers and projection sites that I really got into and really know, uh, got to know. And then when I was writing, I, I was doing some data sheets, uh, or some fantasy players to target, uh, for this little site, uh, called Roto Rants, I think back, like this was way back in the day too. Uh, but they kind of, they had built a system, uh, that did projections that pulled in projections, created fantasy point projections. So I just got really interested in kind of these modeling and, and these projections. So, um, I took some sources that I really like some data points that, that I really like. Um, I've created a couple of my own kind of gambling ones on some of the sites out there that you can do. Uh, I, I mean, I know that, you know, these sites, uh, where you can create your own gambling models, your own projection models. Um, and then I've just kind of expanded on it. So I I've had, um, uh, an individual, Oh, uh, that does a little programming for me, pull in some data points, um, from various sites and then allow me to weigh them kind of the way that I do. I do trust it as a great baseline, but uh, here's a good instance. Like I kind of like the over on this Colts Titans game this week, because I think there's a human element to it that you just have to add. Like these players are, uh, you know, really playing for, um, Oh, for their division here, the Titans just coming off kind of like a Super Bowl game for them, you know, like huge game. They just have to have so much confidence and the Colts just look super poised. Uh, my model likes almost dead on the over under. It likes uh, it, it has at 40 half and at eight, right? Or 48 and a half right now. Sorry. Um, so I think the line currently is like 49. But everything in me thinks like this is like a 53 type game. Um, so I, I lean way more on the over. So while I trust it, while I use it a lot for uh, where I go 
DFS wise um, and the players that I end up uh, really targeting when I when I look at over unders, which I really do like to bet, um, I ju- I end up using um, it as kind of a baseline or, or as a way to uh, gauge where I should be thinking. But I always kind of include that human element into it. Um, so that's just kind of like one game that uh, I'm looking at. And then obviously, like it, it hasn't. I don't know if it ever will. I don't know if you can, but it hasn't fully accounted to these like crazy high total games that we've seen this year that all seem to be hitting the over. So I think that that's just something you have to kind of know implicitly is like nine of the 10 huge uh, total games this year have hit the over or recently have hit the over. So while my model may like like it right on the dot or like it just under, um, you probably just have to take the over with the way offense is going right now. Yeah, man, uh, the NFL has has definitely changed. And again, yeah, like you said, I think it's uh, whatever it is, 92% of games that are lined over, like 55 or whatever, have all come in. Um, and so they're lined that big for a reason. You, you see this a lot in college, obviously completely different, but the NFL is really going there. The last thing yeah. I want to kind of um, ask you about is when it comes to um, trends and kind of how you, um, you know, weigh that. And what I mean by trends in the DFS world is basically, you know, targeting the same position against a certain team um, over and over and over again. Um, my favorite plays this week or favorite plays this year has been basically trying to get tight end exposure against uh, Carolina, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. Um, I'm sorry, in Pittsburgh. And so you've been able, you know, that that's a, you know, when you look at this from gambling, right, you know, a trend would be, you know, the over is 10 and one in a certain situation. But when it comes to DFS trends basically means targeting the, um, a certain position against a certain team. Do you really weigh trends more or do you kind of look, try to look at everything with a fresh lens each and every week as everything's independent? I do. So like, uh, you know, running backs against the Browns is like always one that you want to look at, but then you have to kind of take a fresh lens approach too. where last week I just wasn't on Coleman at all. Uh, I think I used them maybe like in the tiers on DraftKings or something like that because, um, I liked him there, but his price was fine. Uh, but I just didn't think that he was a great play away. Uh, I was a little afraid that, Oh, Matt Ryan would have trouble moving the ball enough for him to be uh, meaningful. But then also, uh, Edo Smith is just working into that red zone uh, so much. So, yeah, I totally look at the trends. I totally look at I think what you're talking about with tight ends is like one of the most important ones because that's such a gross position this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to look at these teams. Um, you know, I was like I was on Ricky Seals Jones last week uh, because Kansas City has been getting a lot better against uh, the wide receiver there. They've actually been giving up a lot less against the wide receiver, but they've been giving up a ton to running backs uh, reception wise, and they've been giving up uh, a good amount to tight ends, too. So, you know, teams are going to have to throw to them. Why not uh, approach it from taking their weakest point? Uh, So, yeah, I think trends are super important. Uh, I think it's really important to kind of look from a. Oh, uh, from a team by team basis and then a position by position. And that's how you really attack. Like that's how you find your true value on a slate. I love that, man. As somebody that was on Coleman in the prop market last week. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they, they can, I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. Yeah, when we talk about trends, no other place in the world, then that you should go other than Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content, stats and trends you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out at oddshark.com. And lastly, we are brought to you by Profit. Tired of having no true hedging option, losing that parlay on the last leg? So are the guys over at Profit, which is why they created 
an er, a platform to get early access for bet profit at betprofit.co. Bet profit allows you to sell a percentage of your bet slip while keeping your original skin in the game. Whatever you want to sell, uh, sell 50, 60, 40%, whatever the case may be. Profit is modeled after financial trading platforms, allowing users to see trends, stats, news, and media relating to their bets on one more modern user-friendly platform. Again, sign up today for early access at betprofit.co. All right, man, let's, let's, um, anything else that you want to kind of, t- um, talk about between, uh, you know, a game that we can shine a light on that really highlights your, your thought process before we kind of move on to, um, you know, any GPP, anything, you know, let's say call them, uh, calls of the week or anything like that. Um, just as a whole or any, any one game that really sticks out, uh, to your, you know, modeling handicapping style, um, in NFL this week. Yeah. So I think, uh, going back to what we were saying, just kind of about this overs and what we've seen so far, uh, right now, the saints and Eagles game is four points projected, uh, over any Love other this game. Over. On, Love this over. Yeah. So I, I think that like, just like, like you just said, yeah, you have to love this over. You have to kind of like, uh, you know, the defending Super Bowl team. Yeah, they've not been playing great this year, but they've gotten some new pieces. Uh, they're going to be moving the ball against the Saints that just are pretty terrible on defense, really. Uh, yeah, they're a pretty good run defense, but pretty terrible secondary. So uh, I think that you have to kind of like this over, uh, but then you also just have to know that you have to use pieces of this game in your lineup if you're not. Uh, you're missing out huge, like you're missing out amazing opportunity. I know that you may want to approach making a lineup by uh, taking positions uh, that a team is really bad against, which is a good idea. But if that doesn't include targeting this game, then you're doing something wrong. Um, So yeah, I I think that you have to kind of like this game. You have to kind of uh, get your pieces of it first and then fit your lineup around that. I love that, man. Look, again, on the DFS show on Monday, Michael Thomas, probably my favorite play of the week. Darby out with an eight, uh, torn ACL. Uh, sky is the limit for Michael Thomas. Um, give me an yep. over-under on how many yards you think he has. Uh, I, I I mean, he's he's getting up there to kind of that Thielen territory where if it's not over 100 every week, I feel like something's wrong. I imagine that uh, this week, this matchup, it's probably going to be like 120 yards for me. Yeah, I completely agree. Look, it's going to be line. They're going to try to scare you away a little bit as they, they tend to do. And the studs are going to get there. It's probably gonna be lined at like one Oh five, you know, the Antonio Brown, Adam yep. feeling of late territory. Uh, I would, I would still really go over here. Um, yeah, me too. I'm not, that doesn't scare me. No, not at all. Um, anything from the other side of the ball, Philadelphia, um, a team that's really struggling. Look, th- this team looks to have this super bowl hangover that is usually reserved for the losing team. Um, you know, there's a quick trend out there that the the loser of the Super Bowl, unless it's the Patriots, has gone under their season win total, like nine straight or eight of the last nine, whatever it is. Philadelphia looks to be just a team, again, and somebody who tried to buy low on Philadelphia, buying some to win the division at like plus 120, plus 130 last week. Uh, I mean, still in the division hunt, obviously, just because this division is so bad and Washington is so fraudulent. Um, Philadelphia, there's, there's not a lot of pieces you really like outside of um, the stud and Zach Ertz, right? I mean, uh, they tried... Wentz is having trouble throwing the ball deep. Um, Aguilar is really the only deep threat. They brought in Golden Tate, who's kind of the king of yards after catch, but everything is a slant over the middle to Ertz or it's yards after catch with um, guys like Tate or the occasional deep ball, and they can't run the ball. Um, what's going on with Philadelphia, and is there any pieces of this offense that you like at all besides Ertz? Yeah, they can't 
they can't run the ball at all. That's for sure. And then, you know, they are bringing in new parts here, but also you don't even want to try to run the ball against the saints. Uh, I mean, we even saw Gurley struggle a little bit. Um, so it, it just, you know, it's really hard there. They are a really good team against the run. Uh, and I wouldn't trust, you know, like I guess Wendell Smallwood maybe because he catches the ball so much. And according to football outsiders, um, saints are, are dead last against, uh, pass catching running backs. But even then, like that's not something I trust a ton. Golden Tate, obviously great talent, but he uh, ran a very small percent of routes last week. Uh, so they're clearly trying to get him to know the playbook a little bit more. I would love to trust somebody like Aguilar or Matthews because of their price. Uh, we know that they they have a good talent level. We know that Wentz can really get them the ball uh, and they have a great, you know, just a great DFS price right now. So I think that you can try to trust one of them. Um, I, I lean Aguilar, but I think Matthews is acceptable too. I, I mean, he just has to do so little to pay off that price tag. Um, so, uh, and if you look at the saints, I mean, dead, dead last against number two wide receivers, uh, they're 31st against number one wide receivers. Uh, you know, they are a little bit, who is the number one though? Isn't it arts? Uh, Oh, oh, so, oh yeah, it is definitely. So like, yeah, that's the thing. So they use the tight end, they use Ertz more as a wide receiver than they do uh, as a tight end. So, I mean, they aren't lining him up inside a ton. If you go to, um, oh, to the uh, next gen stats, which is a place that I like to use a lot too. So if you look at um, the NFL next gen stats, if you look at the route front, you can tell that he lines up wider than he does than a lot of tight ends do. So he is probably the number one. Um, uh, honestly, I, I think that maybe Jeffrey is, but even if, if you consider him the number two, like, okay, that's a better matchup for him than the number one. Uh, so I, I mean, I think that you really want to try to get in Ertz this week if you can in every lineup. And it's, this isn't point chasing. This is uh opportunity chasing. I mean, he's, he's getting targets week in and week out and he's making the production. I love that, man. Uh, let's um, let's do this. Uh, I want to give you it, the floor, and we'll do this. Any uh, kind of give somebody out there, or give people out there, maybe your favorite GPP target that's under the radar, um, something not as obvious, <clears throat> maybe next level as something of a you know start of the week, something like that. When it comes to DFS from any game, and then we're gonna switch over and make you put on your handicapping hat for uh, to go through this slate really, really quickly. Yeah. So, um, I will say this is kind of, uh, this is super under the radar. This isn't even one that we talked about, but uh, a player that's really caught my eye this week is Demarius Thomas. Uh, I mean, we know that the talents there, uh, we know that Kiki Cooties hurt a little bit and, uh, Washington's, uh, okay against the slot. Uh, not, not great at all. Uh, but, oh, I think that Demarius, uh, or sorry, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to do just fine against Norman uh, or whoever that they end up using against him. But Demarius Thomas is always going to have a sub matchup in this. Um, I think he's going to be pretty lower owned. He's really, really fairly priced on both sides of both the major sites um, and they're going to be throwing the ball. I mean, Houston needs to win this game. Uh, it's a way they're coming off a bye, So, you know, Demarius has got uh, time with the playbook. He got time with Watson uh, who was already targeting him in that first game. And you can say that maybe it was just because it was at Denver, but also they just need, they need tools in the passing game with Fuller out now. Uh, so he's no Fuller. He's not a replacement at all. Uh, but I think that he's a pretty interesting target this week for GPPs. Um, he, I, I'm definitely going to be using him. 
Love that, man. Is there any type of, you know, maybe um, when it comes to tips and tricks, right? Like my, my favorite, it sounds square, but at the end of the day, tickets cash the same. My favorite kind of play is um, the revenge spot game, right? We were both on this where Willie Sneed didn't happen, but my God, Brandon Cooks absolutely went crazy. And we were able to kind of get out in front of that, you know, and, and get in there in the prop market in the DFS world. Is there anything kind of, you know, next level um, in your bag of tricks, whether it be revenge, whether it be, you know, players coming off a certain, a certain type of situation, anything like that is a broad level handicap that you um, would recommend players really kind of, you know, when they're ready to kind of get next level, maybe, you know, start playing for some bigger stakes, whatever the case may be, you know, something to really kind of keep in mind that maybe, uh, is a you know quote unquote tip of the pros out there in the DFS world? Yeah, I love narrative street. I mean, we talked about this for sure before, but like Kareem Hunt two yes. weeks ago, yes, was tell. yeah, like the the most smash play of all time. Like uh, I anytime so, and this is this is how you get into it. Um, and I I know that you know this because you follow it too. But like if you ever look at local beat reporters, this is how you get these kind of stories. They're the ones that are going to break it for you. You don't have to do a whole lot of research. Just kind of find the, the local beat reporters for teams. They're going to find this information for you. But it was told you know that Cream Hunt has it was bought tickets for friends and family over a hundred and bringing in his old high school football team so you, you just knew that he was going to score a touchdown uh if not multiple and of course it came true yeah it helped that he's against like one of the worst rush defenses in the league uh but those kind of narratives like play true it doesn't matter if it's your birthday if it's uh, you which you don't need to go and look at and find out who everyone's birthday is but like your quarterback's going to get you the ball a little bit you know like these things happen so if there's any kind of narrative story and the way that you find these are really just kind of twitter um, and making sure that you check out the beat reporters, check out kind of local news. Don't don't search long and hard for it. Like don't try to find narratives every week. The the best ones, the cream of the crop, will come to you if you just kind of search for news. But play them. I mean, if you miss out on that opportunity, then uh, you're just shooting yourself in the foot because those are those are the best times to to jump on a player. Nothing makes me mad when there's a, a narrative that I I didn't find out or I was late to the party on. That's like I <laughs> yep. I could go. You know, undefeated on a week, go 10 and 0, win everything. And if I missed a narrative, it will literally ruin my week. I'm so glad that you brought up the Kareem Hunt one. Um, birthdays is a very real one. How many times, you know, if you're a baseball fan out there, think back and how many times you've heard a player um, hit a home run. And, and as he's hitting a home run, the narrative, you know, the commentator says, um, you know, goes yard on his birthday. And like, I, I will throw things across my screen um, yep. <laughs> when I hear that. And I'm not, I, I just feel like I've done myself such a disservice because it happens time and time again. Um, and the other one, people have heard me talk, kind of talk about it and it's very dark. And if you have, you know, a moral compass, uh, you may not like this one, but at the end of the day, tragedy is the biggest motivator in sports out there. Um, and there's countless examples. I mean, team perspectives, you have the Red Sox off the marathon bombings, you have, um, uh, Astros, uh, after hurricane Harvey, um, Houston and Texans uh, at that game or, you know, their next game, wherever that was. Um, there's so many out there. When you talk about from a player perspective, Isaiah Thomas, after his sister died, like city winning after their owner died, look, it's dark. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to hope for tragedy, but if you want to make money in this industry, you have to be able to take those things into account. It happens so, so, so many times that people really aren't aware of until after the fact. 
Yeah. Do you think these fires uh, mix anything up, especially now that Rams are back home this week? No, but one that I was, um, again, this is, it's really sad to say, but at the end of the day, I think I'd be doing a disservice not to, or to not say this thousand Oaks shooting quarterback, oh, a, yeah. quarterback of Colorado, um, in NCAA football, that was his hometown literally wore a sleeve with every, I believe every person's name on it. Um, in Colorado went out there, he had the game of his life and it's just, it illustrates the point to a T. Um, the fires, I mean, I guess you could talk about, you know, LA, the game's being moved back to LA. I think it's kind of past that. Um, and it's, that one's a little bit difficult because there's so many, you know, kind of things affected. But the last one that really comes to mind was two. Lancaster City, after their owner died in a helicopter crash, they went on the road as a, like a plus 110 underdog. Um, and I think they won four nothing. That was the last kind of tragedy one. And then, of course, Thousand Oaks, the, it wasn't even in Colorado, or it wasn't even in LA or California where the bet came from. You have to be able to look at this stuff next level. It was the quarterback of Colorado. His hometown knew I believe four or five people in that place um and had the game of his life um absolutely crazy um but hey again it's a little bit if you ever watch the show billions my favorite show of all time oh yeah yeah remember, remember when Bobby Axelrod shorts the, the airplane stock after 9-11 Yep. Yep. It's, yeah. It's you know, true. In ways, it, it, this is a little bit about making money, but um, yeah. all right, man. I want to. We'll we'll flip the script over to a little bit happier. You know, here let's go through. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go through every any game at all. Um, by perspective, when it comes to um handicapping, but anything out there that really sticks out to you? To me, the theme of this week is. Teams I don't trust are playing each other. I don't trust Dallas. I don't trust Atlanta, uh, yet they're playing each other. I don't trust Road Carolina. I can't bet Stafford against a team that's going to finish over 500. Uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis. Tampa versus the Giants. I mean, there's a t- more two fraudulent teams out there than Houston versus Washington. Um, then you go to the next game, right? You have Road Pittsburgh against Jacksonville losing five straight. You have the... Uh, you know, the, uh, two and seven Arizona Cardinals laying five points. Um, but Oakland is in take mode and this is a must lose game to get that first, first draft pick. Um, again, I just, this is a really weird week. Um, anything kind of stick out when it comes to a handicapping, uh, side of total perspective. I know you said you really leaned over to that Tennessee Indianapolis game, but anything else that kind of really sticks out to you for this week as a whole, uh, handicapping. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, like, I know this is a Monday night game, but I mean, I just kind of lean towards the over on uh, the Rams and Kansas City. I know it's historically high, uh, but I just don't think it matters. I mean, I know Cup losing Cup hurts a lot, uh, but I, I think that that game just kind of goes over. I mean, I think that's what it does. Both of those offenses are just phenomenal. Now it's in L.A. where the field's a lot better. Uh, maybe this hurts Kansas City a little bit, but, uh, you know, that that. Rams team is much like the chargers where, um, home games don't mean that much yet. Like the stadium is going to have a lot of Kansas city chiefs fans there as well. Um, so they're going to be equally as loud and be able to, uh, you know, control the pace of the fans, uh, just as much too. So I think that, um, that game's going to have some fun, uh, aspects from both sides. It's, it's an over for me, you know, one, uh, game that I'm kind of looking at too. And I know Jacksonville has just been pretty horrid on defense recently, but I have to kind of like the under, uh, maybe not the game under, but the team under for the Steelers right now, uh, it's sitting at 26, uh, it's road bin 1 PM game. Um, I, we're not really sure about the health of Connor yet. I'm assuming that he will play. Uh, if he does, you know, he's, he's still a fine target, but I think that they just kind of slow this game down, uh, and try to get out with a win again. I know that's scary because it's Steelers offense has looked like really phenomenal recently. Uh, and the Jaguars defense hasn't, 
but I think that the Jaguars kind of in that weird spot too, where they know they need to win. Uh, the Steelers just want to kind of make it to the playoffs healthy now. Uh, so the, I think that they play a little bit slower pace, uh, a little bit more cadence uh, towards just moving the ball, not taking huge shots. Uh, so I like their team under. Um, again, I know that's a scary one, uh, but but yeah, that's where I'm sitting on that game right now. I love that, man. Um, let's go to let's shine a light on, on probably the marquee game besides that. I mean, the game of the year is definitely KC and LA. We could break that down for days, but let's talk about this one because I think this line, let's talk about the two NFC games at night. Um, Philadelphia, just because I want to talk about this because the spread seems uh, so long. And again, you know my affinity for saying the spread doesn't matter about 14 times uh, or 14% of the time this year. Is uh, to me, I was on with Eric Rosenthal on Cover City this week, and we really disagreed on this. I, I told, I know, I really lean to lay the points here with New Orleans. At the end of the day, you know, how many, what does Philadelphia have to put up here to win? And I don't think that they can with this offense. You know, put up the upwards of the or to get the cover rather, upwards of you know thirty points. I, I think that New Orleans, uh, they've gone over forty-five basically seemingly every single week. I just do not think that Philadelphia can score the you know thirty-four, thirty-five that's going to be required to cover this game's actually tick down a little bit, taking some of that Philadelphia money at eight and a half, uh, and then highlight the Minnesota and Chicago game, because I just think it's a, a very weird line to look at and see Mitch Trubisky laying two to three points to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, um, albeit at home with Khalil Mack. Um, anything of note that you want to kind of touch on there? Anything there from a handicapping perspective? Yeah, that's really interesting. So uh, we'll go back to my model a little bit. I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, it agrees with you. I mean, it likes the Saints by over 10 right now. So 10 and a half points. Um, and that's one that I tend to uh, to agree with. I mean, the Eagles have looked pretty bad on defense, let's be honest. Uh, so they've allowed teams that shouldn't be putting up as much as they have to be scoring on them. Uh, and then offensively, they've just kind of looked middle of the pack. They will score against the Saints team. Uh, you can mark that. That's for sure. They will score. Uh, but are they going to be able to put up, you know, 28? Probably not. Uh, I, I lean more towards like the the 22 uh, to 25 kind of range uh, for them. And I think the Saints definitely score over 30 at home. Uh, so if they score 33, you know, if the Eagles can only score uh, 22 or 23, then then uh, with the points, you still have that side. So I, I definitely lean Saints uh, in the points here. Nines a lot, especially when you're talking about the, uh, you know, the defending Super Bowl winners. But I just feel like it's a different team, too. Uh, uh, and the Saints are phenomenal. I mean, the Saints are a really phenomenal team this year. Uh, so I agree with you there. Uh, on the on the Vikings Bear side, I mean, I just I have been off the Trubisky side this entire year. I I don't see it. Uh, I I mean, I, I'm starting to see it. Yeah, but I I don't get it. Like every week, I just think, oh, he's going to stumble. He's going to stumble, um, and he just hasn't. Uh, but I, I think this Vikings team is pretty good. Uh, they, uh, this is another team. I keep talking about this, but this is another team that knows that they need to win right now. Uh, like they have to, they're coming off the bye. They should be healthier. Uh, the only thing that scares me is both are both these receivers Thielen and Diggs. Are they, are they healthy enough to go? Cause both of them have a uh, knee. And I think Thielen has a, a little bit of a back spasm right now, but as long as they're good to go, uh, yeah, I think that they're going to be just fine putting up points. Both of these defenses are pretty good. Um, and you know, this is a tough division match, so, uh, should be a little bit lower scoring. Uh, I don't think that bodes well to this whole, uh, Trubisky trend that's been happening lately. Um, so I, I would tend to, uh, to think this is going to be a pretty close game. And if you're giving me points with who I think is the better team, uh, I, I think I would take them. 
I love it, bro. I absolutely love it. Minnesota here too. Um, so consensus bet, we want to go Michael Thomas or we want to go Zeke Elliott uh, prop bet over? Let's do Michael Thomas because I really like him this week. I love it. Um, I want to give you the floor, man. So our consensus best bet uh, will be Michael Thomas over yards. Um, I want to give you the floor. Plug everything and anything that you have kind of going over, uh, going on in the space. I know you provide lineups uh, for people professionally. You do articles. Um, where can people find you um, as well as, you know, Twitter, everything that you have out there, please, because you're doing so many good things out there. Yeah, I do. So, uh, you know, we, uh, every once in a while, you and I do a podcast for the national football post on Thursdays. Um, so that's always free and available for everyone. Uh, it's on tune in app. If you want to come check that out, it's Thursdays around seven, we go right up until uh, kickoff. So you can hear us, uh, there. Uh, and then I, I've been writing recently for Roto radar, also, uh, providing some cores, some breakdown analysis. So if you're an individual that, uh, loves playing DFS, but doesn't have the full time to put towards it. Uh, like, uh, you know, Pina and I do here, then, uh, come on over. We, uh, help get you there with some good articles, some good chat. We have a Slack chat that we really, uh, break down the week. You can pick my brain, uh, during the week, however you'd like. Uh, then I give you kind of the core plays on Sunday that you should be building around. So you don't have to do all the work. Uh, yourself, you can know kind of who the key players that you should be targeting are, uh, and then hopefully through the articles and through the chat, you be, you'll be able to build a solid lineup around that. Uh, so that's been a lot of uh, a lot of fun, very interesting, different thing that I've done this year. Uh, my Twitter is is once Harby, so uh, O N C E H A R B Y. I'm I'm kind of always available, happy to chat. I share a lot of sports stuff there. Uh, then I do some just kind of random other. Uh, podcast and and videos that I'll share from time to time uh, there. It's all really football related right now, but college hoop started and my Hoosiers got a big win last night. So uh, you'll probably see me tweeting a lot about the Hoosiers too. Uh, you know, one thing I want to prop up one of your, uh, one of your sponsors here too, if you don't have a model, uh, but you're interested kind of in the numbers and something that you want to look at, uh, go over to odd sharks because they have that super computer. They give out some great trends. They get out, they give out some uh, really fun projections that's a good place to start uh, just kind of looking at uh, what what kind of numbers that we look at too and and being able to use those so I would always uh, check them out it's a good place to start your week off I love it bro couldn't have said it better myself and again I really want to plug you know what you've been able to do this season uh, again historically we've had so much success as well um, your winning percentage in NFL both in cash and GPP this season has been out of this world man and do you have that right in front of you what you've done this year week to week by week yeah, so please plug that. Um, yeah, coming off my first like true uh, full losing week last week, which is uh, you, you and know, me both, brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so painful, right? It's like you've had such a good year, and then you have this losing week, and it's like, oh, where where did I go wrong? And the process isn't wrong, that's for sure. You know that too. Like your process isn't wrong because it's been working all year. It's just there were tough games last, last week. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, weird trending games that we talked about. So, uh, I, I am on FanDuel at about an 85% clip that uh, winning this year. Uh, I've only truly had one losing week there, uh, all the other, like, or the other losing quote unquote losing week was, uh, as an actual bubble week. So some, uh, some of the members still uh, won. Oh, I still won a little bit, but I all consider it a losing week on DraftKings. Uh, I've had three now, so uh, so we're seven and three um, over there. But uh, still, ha- great season so far. You know, I'll take seventy percent all day um, if that's where it ends up. So um, 
Oh, uh, just want to continue this, this great season there, you know, there's still a lot of, uh, still a lot of weeks left and it, it's been super helpful, uh, for anyone out there who listens to these podcasts, this is a great information source, but something that I've heard, you know, you talk a lot about before, uh, Christian is just, uh, knowledge, but who you talk to as well. So I don't know everything. I'm not going to get every bit of information, uh, every week. Oh, but I, I try to surround myself with people that may get pieces that I don't. So I get so much out of your player props every week. And like, I get so much out of the games that you're looking at too, that maybe I miss some spots. So I think that this is important for anyone that wants to take gambling on more efficiently, like, uh, spread yourself out, get some, get some people that take different angles because, uh, just being able to talk to you every week and look at what you're betting Christian has been huge. So, uh, I, I think it's important for anyone. Absolutely, man. Build that network. You will. That'll be the smartest move you do and the best investment you make um, when it comes to trying to take this to the next level and get a sustained income, man. So again, cannot thank you enough. If you are looking for DFS, a DFS lineup provider, please send him a DM. Uh, at once, Harvey, I, I promise you, I, I firmly will stand behind this and vouch that there is nobody better I've ever come across in the DFS industry, man. So I cannot uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, taking the time out here, man. Stay warm out there in Indiana. I know you just said you got your first ice storm, so yeah. hunker yeah. down, bro. Um, and again, I'm sure we're going to be working together and doing some stuff in the future soon, um, in whatever field that may be. But I cannot thank you enough for coming on, bro. Um, and again, good luck this week. Um, and with all your lamps, all your lineup providing, and all your personal stuff, bro. Thank you so much for taking the time again. You too, Christian. Thank you. 